You're listening to DC Broadcasting, podcast produced by the radio broadcasting students at Durham College. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Diego Pizarro. Here's what's making news this hour. Ontario is reporting an additional 1,534 new cases of COVID-19 today, along with 14 new deaths. This new case count comes as Toronto and Peel Region are set to move into lockdown on Monday at 12.01 a.m. for at least 28 days. 490 of the cases are in Peel Region, 460 are in Toronto, and 130 are in York Region. According to Health Minister Christine Elliott, 1,429 more cases are marked as resolved, and nearly 46,000 tests have been completed. Currently, there are 484 people in hospital, and 147 people in intensive care units. Of the people in ICU, 89 are on a ventilator. Premier Doug Ford urged residents in Toronto and Peel not to panic buy. The warning comes after shoppers gathered Saturday in malls in Toronto and Peel region ahead of Monday's lockdown that will see shopping centers close. In sports, Fred Van Vliet has signed a four-year contract with the Toronto Raptors valued at $85 million. This comes after the Raptors said Van Vliet was their biggest off-season task and that they were confident they'd be successful. Van Vliet is a huge win after the departure of Serge Ibaka, who will be leaving Toronto to join the Los Angeles Clippers with a contract valued at $19 million. Rye Radio Weather. Snowy today, with a high of 4 and a low of minus 2. Partly cloudy tomorrow, with a high of 4 and a low of minus 2. It's currently 2 degrees. For Rye Radio News, I'm Diego Pizarro. Hi, I'm Diego, host of The Diego Show, and this week on the show, I'm going to be trying a new segment called Guitar Showcase, where I talk about a guitar player that means a lot to me. I will also play two of their guitar solos that I think best showcase their style. And I want to hear from you, yes you, listening right now, which guitar solo you prefer. On Durham Focus, I'm going to be talking about the region's current standing in the COVID-19 pandemic, and I'll also be shining a light on a local author. That's all coming up on The Diego Show, right here on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. On Durham Focus this week, I'm going to talk about the Durham region's place in the COVID-19 pandemic, and I'll be shining a light on an Oshawa author. Durham region reported 56 new cases today, bringing the total active cases of COVID-19 in the region to 395. Of the current active cases, 382 patients are isolating at home, while 13 are in hospital, but only one person is in intensive care. Because of this, Durham Region is being put into the red zone on November 23rd. This means that the region is one step away from a full-on lockdown. Under these new restrictions, gatherings are limited to 5 people indoors and 25 people outdoors, Restaurants and bars will be allowed up to 10 people indoors with no live performances. Liquor sales will also be cut off at 9 p.m. And cinemas, as well as live event centers, are no longer allowed to operate. Officials say these new restrictions are essential to people's safety and that they are confident that the region can flatten the curve once again. In other news, African-Canadian Oshawa author Solange Burrell used her time in lockdown to write her first fiction book. The book titled Yesini and the Daughter of Peace is set in 1748 and it imagines a world where the slave trade never existed. 
The book's main character sees terrible visions of life on violent slave ships. When she reveals these visions to an oracle, she is encouraged to travel through time in order to prevent the transatlantic slave trade from ever occurring. Burrell said she got the idea for the book after she thought about what the world would be like today if slavery never happened. Burrell is 34 years old and was raised in Bristol, United Kingdom. She took black history classes as a child and went on to get a degree in journalism. She did her dissertation on post-traumatic slave syndrome. She married a Canadian and moved to Oshawa. While waiting for her paperwork to come through, the COVID-19 pandemic happened. But instead of sulking, she started writing and finished the book in an impressive three months. Always great to see Durham talent get some praise. To keep up to date on all Durham has to offer, stay right here on Riot Radio. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. Hello, welcome to The Diego Show, and it's time for Guitar Showcase. This week, I'll be spotlighting the spaceman himself, Ace Fraley of KISS. Ace has been my guitar hero since I was six years old. His dirty, aggressive playing and smoking guitar effect warped my six-year-old brain, and I've been a member of the KISS Army ever since. So without further ado, put on your makeup and 7-inch platform heels, and let's get into it. First up is the solo from Shock Me, off KISS's 1977 release, the not-so-subtly titled Love Gun. Seen as his quintessential solo, Ace tears through the mix with his signature bends and lightning-fast blues licks. This solo is a song within a song. It has so many memorable parts, some of which you can almost sing along to. It proves that while Ace may lack some technical ability, he more than makes up for it with his feel and note choice. Fun fact about that song, Ace was inspired to write it after he was electrocuted by some faulty stage equipment in Lakeland, Florida in 1976. The song ended up being about sex, but hey, this is Kiss, they're not trying to save the whales or anything. The next solo you'll be hearing is from the song Strange Ways. I was always told the album this song is from, Hotter Than Hell, had bad production, and when I finally heard it, oh my god, was it true. But one thing the band did get right is Ace's guitar tone. It has a really weird, wonky, and droning sound to it that was achieved by mixing a wah-wah pedal with a flanger effect. It sounds so cool. As far as the solo, it smokes. It is Ace's most unique and forward-thinking solo. It has just the right amount of sloppiness, and it uses very exaggerated string bends, manic blues licks, and feedback to create a dark atmosphere. (laughs) 
man, that solo is awesome. What makes it more impressive is the fact that it was recorded in one take and is completely improvised. Ace did the solo facing his amp, thus creating the feedback used subtly throughout the solo. When Ace did this, the band and the producer freaked out, thinking it would ruin the solo. But once they heard it back, they were blown away, and I hope these solos blew you away as well. Be sure to let me know which one you prefer, and thanks for listening to The Diego Show. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Thank you for listening to The Diego Show. Make sure to space with Ace and keep it locked right here on Riot Radio. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Stuart Bunnell. This is what's making news this hour. Ontario reported 1,009 cases of COVID-19 today, following a data error that inflated yesterday's total. 270 of today's new cases are school-related, but that number includes new cases since 2 p.m. Friday afternoon. Ontario currently has 12,917 active cases, and over 1,000 cases were marked as resolved today. The first week of Durham Region's ride campaign saw seven people charged with impaired driving. In 2019, eight drivers were charged with impaired driving in the first week, but there were almost 1,700 more vehicles stopped at checkpoints. Durham Regional Police remind everyone that anyone charged with impaired driving will have their license suspended for 90 days and their vehicle impounded for seven days. In sports, the LA Rams narrowly beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night with a final score of 27-24 to in the latest NFL game. Tomorrow, the Texans face off against the Lions, Washington plays Dallas, and the Ravens face the Steelers. And of course, Sunday football has 12 additional games. Right, radio weather, cloudy skies today with a 70% chance of showers later this afternoon and a high of 7. Periods of rain with a low of 5 tonight and tomorrow, cloudy with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 10. It's currently 4 degrees. For Right Radio News, I'm Stuart Bunnell. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. I love coffee. Hey, welcome to Coffee Break. I'm your host, Stuart Bennell. The pandemic is complicating even the simplest of events, including some holiday favorites. We'll tackle that conversation in DC Focus. After that, I'll express some winter driving concerns in espresso editorials. And to close out our show, I have some exciting Netflix news. That's all coming up today on Coffee Break on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. This week on DC Focus, how is Durham region keeping the holiday spirit alive during a pandemic? On Saturday, Bowmanville had what was officially called a drive-through parade. I prefer to call it a reverse parade because that's essentially what it was. Families would stay in their cars and wave to Santa, who was sitting still waiting for them to come by. There was, of course, all the music and holiday cheer you would expect, but the spectators were the ones moving rather than the parade. And Bowmanville isn't alone. 
Pickering is doing the same thing this Saturday at the Chestnut Hills Developments Recreation Complex parking lot. Unfortunately, anyone who wanted to go had to register and their registration is now closed. Which ultimately makes sense, because if you leave registration open too long, you end up with Santa stuck sitting in a chair waving to people for hours and hours. And let's face it, Santa still has work to do. I'm always glad he can show up to parades, but his work isn't done yet. Now, if you missed the chance to register for the Pickering Parade, don't worry. Port Perry has you covered with a virtual parade that will air on December 5th on YouTube, the Scugog Chamber of Commerce website, and Rogers TV Cable 10. They also began presenting the 12 Days of Christmas on Monday and will continue to present them leading up to the parade. But if parades aren't your thing, Whitby has you covered. Whitby's well-known light transformations are to happen Friday evening in three locations, Grass Park in Brooklyn, Celebration Square at the Whitby Public Library, and Whitby Civic Park. With all these events, no pandemic can keep you from getting into the holiday spirit. That's DC Focus right here on Riot Radio. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. Welcome back to Coffee Break. Stuart here with you on another cloudy Wednesday morning. I'm really excited about a release coming to Netflix this week, but we need to have a serious talk first. It finally snowed on Sunday and people complained, which is typical, you know, love Christmas, hate snow, I get it. The only reason I was excited was because I use an ATV to clear my driveway, which is great until you get stuck, but getting stuck on the edge of your own ditch is nothing compared to winter driving in the GTA. Now this happens every year. People forget how to drive as soon as they see white stuff falling from the sky, and I get it. This year has seen big changes in the way people drive, from the first lockdown, where it was only essential workers commuting and going like 200 on the 401, to business as usual. But now there's slippery stuff on the road. And I get that that's a big change, but come on, people. It's not going to kill you to approach the speed limit when your visibility has not changed. And if your wheels start spinning, just take your foot off the gas. It's really that easy. Also, if you're one of those people who doesn't think they need snow tires, you're wrong. Unless you have really high quality all seasons, you really do need snow tires. They make such a huge difference. So my winter driving advice is very simple. Give yourself lots of time to get where you're going. Take your time, get your snow tires, and if you don't feel comfortable driving, don't do it. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Netflix is simultaneously wonderful and irritating. I understand that there are legal reasons for Canada's selection to be different from America's, and that's fine. But would it kill Netflix to get criminal minds? I'm running out of Netflix originals over here. Back in 2018, there was an animated comic book movie called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Unlike other comic book movies trying to, quote, imitate the comic book style, Spider-Verse actually delivered in a way no live-action movie ever could. It's widely acknowledged to be the best Spider-Man movie of all time, and I'm inclined to agree. I don't want to go into it too much, because I need to stay on topic, but it's really, really good. Now, I've wanted to rewatch this movie since I saw it the first time. It was funny, it was charming, it was emotional, and it just felt like a high-caliber Spider-Man story. The problem was, 
it wasn't available on any streaming service. I knew that Netflix US got it almost a year ago, but I kept checking everything to see if I could finally watch it. And nothing. Disney Plus didn't have it, Prime didn't have it, and Netflix Canada didn't have it. Until now. Or more accurately, until tomorrow. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse comes to Netflix tomorrow, and I am very excited. Now, maybe we're finally getting it because of the popularity of the PlayStation 5 title Spider-Man Miles Morales, which got released a few weeks ago. Maybe there was a legal hurdle that only just got resolved recently. I don't know, but I don't really care. I'm just really, really excited. So if you need me on Thursday, send me an email and don't expect me to get back to you for a while, because I'm going to be very busy watching an excellent movie movie with an excellent soundtrack, I might add. Well, that's it for Coffee Break for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to stay tuned to hear the rest of my classmates bring you more news, campus information, and informative talk here on Riot Radio. I'll be back next week with another edition of Coffee Break, brewed fresh just for you. Until next week, take care, stay caffeinated, and have a lovely afternoon. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. This is Riot Radio News. It's 12 o'clock. I'm Marissa Ramcharan. This is a Riot Radio News update. Dozens of activists constructed green foam domes for unhoused people at a demonstration outside Mayor John Tory's condo on Sunday, November 22nd. The event, which was part of National Housing Day, was held to draw attention to the high amount of people living in encampments. There was heavy snowfall as the activists put together the insulative foam structures that will be distributed to people experiencing homelessness across the city. Volunteers built 14 insulated domes on Sunday. The domes are made of rigid polystyrene, a material that is considered highly flammable. The city said using the foam domes close to any flame or heat is dangerous. The foam-based sleep structures are outfitted with LED lights, air vents, and a smoke and carbon monoxide detector. Activists said that the foam domes are made with a fire retardant and are safer than highly flammable and freezing cold tents. Leslie Wood, a member of the Ontario Coalition Against Poverty, told activists that there is a citywide movement to support unhoused people in Toronto, but that the city must do more now to prevent deaths this winter. Wood also told CBC Toronto that the event was held outside Mayor John Tory's condo because activists believe that he is not listening. In sports... The Indianapolis Colts defeated the Green Bay Packers 34-31, and the struggling Dallas Cowboys took down the Minnesota Vikings 31-28. For our three-day weather forecast, today will be a mix of sun and clouds with a high of minus 2 and a low of minus 3. On Wednesday, we'll see some light rain with a high of 6 and a low of 3. And on Thursday, there will be even more rain with a high of 7 and a low of 5. This has been your Riot Radio News Update. Stay tuned for more information about this week's DC Focus feature and segment. Thank you so much for listening to Messages from Mars. I'm your host, Marissa Ramcharan, and it's a pleasure to be spending this time with you. Today's show is going to be a great one. For DC Focus, I'm going to talk about a new Indigenous-led health center that focuses on the culture of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis communities. 
I'm also going to spend some time talking about some drama surrounding the highly anticipated Netflix series, Selena the Series. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus. where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. On DC Focus this week, I'll be talking about a new Indigenous-led health centre that will focus on the culture of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis communities. One of Canada's leading teaching hospitals, Toronto Centre for Addiction and Mental Health, has launched a new initiative called Shikabe Mokwa, which is Anishinaabe for Spirit Bear Helper. The centre opened on Thursday, November 12th, with plans to combine Indigenous knowledge and traditions with medical research, training, and healing models for caregivers serving Indigenous communities. Senior Director Renee Linklater said it's all a part of efforts to address system-wide disparities that many First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples experience when they try to access medical care. Linklater recalled struggling to explain the importance of cultural traditions to government officials 20 years ago while trying to develop crisis support programs. It's important for us to have programs like a drum circle for women, and they didn't want to fund that, Linklater said. Linklater further explained that she would have to work with government officials to help them understand that when women are in crisis, they've often lost their voice and have a hard time speaking and being able to name the stressors they're experiencing. With a drum circle, the women are able to utilize their voice and find their way of being able to speak about their experience. This initiative comes as alarming cases of racism in health settings continue to make headlines. CAMH has said in a release that it's committed to placing Indigenous issues at the centre of everything it does, from clinical practice to research. In 2016, CAMH opened a sweat lodge, and in 2000, it opened a service dedicated to providing outpatient counselling to Indigenous patients. CAMH has also said that Shikabe Mako's first medical director is Dr. James Makokis, a Plains Cree two-spirit physician from Saddle Lake Cree Nation in Alberta. Makoki said in a release that he's excited about the chance to focus on indigenous ceremonies, medicine, and thought, especially in developing new research that addresses indigenous needs. Shikabe Mokoi is set to run online from December 3rd to the 5th and is slated to feature about 200 academic presentations on topics including cultural competency and safety, youth leadership, reconciliation and health care, racism, colonialism, and missing and murdered indigenous women. Coming up after the break, I'll be talking about the drama surrounding the Selena the series coming to Netflix next month. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. This is Messages from Mars. I'm Marissa Ramcharan. Thank you for listening. Selena. If we go out there and give it everything that we've got, we can make this happen. Now or never. That's why I'm leaving it up, up to you. It's about love. 
how you had it and then you lost it. It feels like there's a fist around your heart. Well, I don't want that. If you stand around and wait for what you want, you're gonna be waiting your whole life. You have to go and get it. Like many people, I am extremely thrilled about Selena the series that's going to be released on Netflix on December 4th. I have loved Selena Quintanilla ever since I was a kid and I first watched the movie starring Jennifer Lopez as Selena. My mom has always loved Selena and she was the one to introduce me to the Mexican-American singer. Fun fact, my younger sister was actually named after her. After watching the movie, I instantly fell in love with Selena's music and felt, and continue to feel, heartbroken that such a talented and kind individual was taken from this world in such a horrific way. When I found out that Netflix and Selena's family were releasing a new series, I became so excited to learn more about the Tejano artist and her rise to stardom. But I quickly realized that for every anticipating fan of the series, there is also someone who would rather not see it come to light. Q, Selena movie producer Moctezuma Esparza, who filed a $1 million lawsuit against Abraham and Suzette Quintanilla, the father and sister of Selena, as well as Netflix. In the suit, Esparza claims that Abraham signed a contract agreeing to give him the rights to the life stories of Selena in 1995. Esparza claims in the suit that he, Suzette, and Abraham discussed the creation of a series based on Selena's early life in 1998. This series would have been a follow-up to the biopic starring Jennifer Lopez. However, their plans never came to fruition. Esparza believes that by Abraham and Suzette creating a series with Netflix, they have breached their contract with him and also that Netflix ignored his rights to Selena's life stories. I don't know if I'm wrong in saying this, but I find it pretty obvious that the only reason Esparza is upset about Selena the series is because his plans to create a series failed miserably. Abraham and Suzette have found success with Netflix and now Esparza is salty because he can't profit off of Selena's life anymore. Abraham and Suzette are Selena's family, and they have every right to tell her story the way they want to and with who they want to. Do I think that they are also profiting off of Selena's life? Yeah, I do. But they are her family, and you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that'll fight them for it. I just think that, as a fan of Selena, we should be glad that her story is getting out there and that new fans are discovering her music. She was a supremely talented individual who deserved the stardom and fame that someone like Beyonce receives. Selena was taken from the world at such a young age, and it's important that her legacy continues to inspire her current fans, but also helps her gain new ones as well. As for me, I think I'm going to watch the movie right before the series is released because, let's face it, we all need a good cry sometimes, right? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Once again, I'm your host, Marissa Ramtran, and I'll see you next week on Messages from Mars on Riot Radio. Your-
You're listening to DC Broadcasting, podcast produced by the radio broadcasting students at Durham College. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Richard Evans. This is what's making news this hour. Outgoing President Donald Trump has still not been successful at proving voter fraud, as yet another lawsuit brought on by the White House has been thrown out of court. Republican Senator Matthew Brand calling the latest attempt at tipping voting favor in Pennsylvania Frankenstein's monster, concluding that there is no evidence to support any claim of wrongdoing. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has joined 20 of the world's richest countries in promising to aid poorer nations requiring assistance with climate change, trade, and the ongoing battle with COVID-19. Critics are saying that the virtual summit, which took place over a two-day period, failed to provide any real impact, as most of the commitments stemming from the summit are not new. Premier Doug Ford has announced that Toronto and Peel Region will enter lockdown as of midnight this past Sunday. Shops, businesses and restaurants are being forced to shutter their doors with only essential services allowed to continue doing business. The lockdown will last a minimum of 28 days, during which time it is expected many of the affected businesses may not have the ability to reopen. In sports news, while the Grey Cup was cancelled for the first time since 1919, the league has announced that there will be a 2021 season, which will see all teams playing in their home stadiums. The league has responded to criticism from health officials by revamping the schedule, which will allow for less travel than usual throughout the season. Riot Radio weather Sunday's wintry blast is pretty much a memory now that the Durham region is enjoying some unseasonably high temperatures over the next few days. A high of 6 degrees expected tomorrow, with rain heavy at times in the forecast, going down to a low of just above freezing overnight. Pretty much a carbon copy for Tuesday with a high of 5 degrees and more rain expected. It's currently 6 degrees outside our studios here in Oshawa. For Riot Radio News, Sports and Weather, I'm Richard Evans. Welcome to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Richard Evans. Thanks again for joining me. Today on the program, we're going to look at how Durham Region will be celebrating Christmas a bit differently this year. We'll talk about how our TV and streaming habits have changed during the pandemic, and we'll also take a look back at some of the big news stories of this year that have been kind of lost in the shuffle of recent times. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham Region. Welcome to this edition of DC Focus. I'm your host, Richard Evans. Jolly old St. Nick will not be riding through the streets of Durham Region this holiday season, but that doesn't mean there won't be anything for kids and families to take part in this year. Most municipalities have had to alter their plans, of course, due to COVID, and some of the approaches are rather unique. For instance, instead of standing on the curb watching a parade roll by, why not roll up to the stationary floats and enjoy them that way? This is what Pickering has to offer on Saturday, November 28th, in the parking lot of the Chestnut Hills Developments Recreational Centre. Tickets for this event had to be pre-sold in order to manage numbers of visitors, and as of today, all tickets are sold out for this unique approach to spreading holiday cheer. The theme this year in Pickering is being touted as Santa at the Drive-In. A similar event took place in Bowmanville this past Saturday, where cars were welcome to drive through the array of stationary floats, this taking place at the Bowmanville Indoor Soccer parking lot. 
100,000 Christmas lights will light up the town of Whitby on Friday, November 27th. Three separate locations have been set up for the massive light show, which is being called Whitby Lights Tonight. Durham Regional Police will be gearing up for their annual ride program, which usually kicks off in early December, lasting right through until the first week of January. It's expected there'll be fewer alcohol and drug-related charges laid this season due to the COVID-19 restrictions. Fewer house parties permitted and limited seating capacity in bars and restaurants should make for a safer ride this year. Veteran Officer Jeff Bastine with Durham Regional Police has been working the ride program for over 10 years and has seen it all. He notes that more arrests for drunk driving are made on snowy nights as opposed to clearer nights. Drivers perhaps thinking the poor weather will mean they're left to carry on their way. Not so, says Bastine. Bars don't stop serving on bad nights, so we're going to continue coming out and making sure people make the right decisions is all. Whatever your plans for this unique holiday season are, Durham health officials continue to warn against large gatherings, making social distancing difficult, if not impossible. With the numbers of COVID cases rising steadily, it's entirely possible that even further restrictions will be imposed on Durham region just before the holiday season begins. Coming up, are you watching more TV than usual? Most of us are. We'll have a look at that in just a moment. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. With more and more of us working and just staying at home, television watching stats are at an all-time high. A recent study conducted by a media watchdog in the UK says that TV watching on average is up over 40% from this time last year. Canadian studies are showing pretty much the same numbers as more and more of us hunker down in front of the tube. Hours spent online are up hugely as well, some studies showing that we are watching 71% more content online than pre-pandemic, so much so that for the first time ever, weekend and weekday figures are almost equal. And also for the first time, late night viewing is showing the biggest spike and early morning programming the lowest numbers, indicating that we're staying up later and getting up later than ever before. Netflix is one of the fastest growing content providers, adding nearly 16 million new subscribers since the outbreak happened in March of this year, putting their current total of paying viewers at nearly 183 million. Interestingly, while Netflix enjoys an all-time high number of subscribers, their stock is not faring as well as one might think. Why? Because while more people are watching, their flat monthly fee and lack of advertisers means that they are not reaping the same financial benefits at network TV stations who rely heavily on advertising and time-watched would. Netflix co-founder and CEO Reed Hastings is not concerned about the competition from large networks as he has this to say. It's really the internet. The internet is transforming so many sectors of our economy and we're internet TV and that sector has grown from very small 15 years ago to starting to be significant now and in the next 10 or 20 years internet TV is going to be all of TV. There's nothing like good content to keep us glued to the set, and the recent U.S. presidential election is a perfect example of that. We Canadians spent a record amount of time anxiously viewing the outcome of the election results and the circus-like atmosphere after the polls closed. Regardless of its source, good TV is simply good TV. Coming up next, a look at some of the highlights and lowlights of this unbelievable year of 2020. Remember to breathe. Take that few moments to gather your thoughts, then simply move on. We here at the Grapevine know that times are tough, 
some of you or your loved ones may be hurting. But always remember, you're not alone. I'm Richard Evans, and on behalf of all of us here at The Grapevine and Riot Radio, we're here for you. Be well. While 2020 is undoubtedly going down in history as the year of coronavirus, there were plenty of major news stories, most of which occurred in the first two months of the year that have been all but forgotten. Only two days into the year, Iranian General Qasem Soleimani was killed by a U.S. drone at the order of President Donald Trump. Having been a thorn in the side of the American military for decades, Soleimani was most recently deemed responsible for the deaths of multiple American troops fighting in Iraq. He was widely considered the second most powerful man in Iran behind the Supreme Leader himself. Only six days later, Prince Harry and his wife Meghan Markle announced that they are stepping down from their royal duties at Buckingham Palace and moving to California, where they intend to live financially independent of the royal family. Markle had been widely criticized by royal watchers in British media as being the catalyst for such a bold move. However, it turns out that it was Prince Harry himself that was most responsible for the historical decision. On January 26th of this year, basketball legend Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter were killed in a helicopter crash, along with seven others near Calabasas, California. Thick fog and pilot error were eventually to blame for the crash after numerous inquiries into the incident. Reports of pilot R. Zaboyan being intoxicated were found to be false following an autopsy. On the final day of January this year, the UK officially withdrew from the European Union after more than three years of deliberation and political turmoil. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson took on the cause after Theresa May announced in late 2017 that the UK intended to remove itself from the European Union, setting off one of the most contentious periods in UK history. Rounding out the list of major 2020 news stories, President Trump is acquitted on both counts of impeachment by the Republican-dominated US Senate this back in early February. It's interesting to note that the margin of votes acquitting Trump are eerily close to the numbers forcing Trump from the White House in this recent election, making way for President-elect Joe Biden. What a long, strange year it's been. That's it for me this week. As always, I thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe and stay healthy. For The Grapevine, I'm Richard Evans. We'll see you next week. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Megan Hamilton. This is what's making news this hour. On Monday, Toronto and Peel Region officially entered a 28-day lockdown, forcing restaurants to close their indoor and patio dining, but that didn't stop some local restaurants. The owner of Adamson Barbecue, an Etobicoke-based restaurant, took to Instagram on Monday to confirm their reopening plans despite the provincial restrictions. Customers were seen dining in shortly after its 11 a.m. opening. Police arrived at the location the same day. The city has yet to provide violation fines, but it could be anywhere between $750 to $100,000. A man was transported to the hospital after a mobile crane being used in Ellington Crosstown construction collapsed on Monday morning. The incident occurred at Eglinton Avenue and Mount Pleasant Road. The man suffered minor injuries and will continue work as soon as possible. Eglinton Avenue East is closed from Mount Pleasant Road to Taunton Road as crews investigate. In sports, Sergi Baca has reportedly signed a two-year contract with the Los Angeles Clippers. The contract is worth $19 million and a player option in the second season. Ibaka averaged 15.4 points per game with Toronto last season. Riot Radio Weather.
Today will be partly sunny with a high of minus one, but with the winds will feel like minus four. Tonight there will be a light snowfall overnight with an estimated two to four centimeters and we'll have a low of minus one. Tomorrow's going to be a rainy one with a high of six and a low of five in the evening. And it's currently minus four and partly cloudy. For Riot Radio News, I'm Megan Hamilton. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. Welcome to Spill the Tea. I'm your host, Megan Hamilton. On today's show, I have exciting news about a celebrity born and raised in the Durham region. Got any ideas? Well, he's in for a big step in the entertainment industry. Stay tuned to find out who and what. That's all coming up today on Spill the Tea. Stay tuned. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus. DC Focus where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. This week on DC Focus. During these trying times, it's important to support our small businesses in Durham region to help our fellow community members. Alice Doris, a citizen of Kawartha Lakes, created a fantastic way to support entrepreneurs and artists in the area. When the pandemic hit, her motivation was focused on finding a creative marketing strategy to help sell products made from locals. She states that it's a renewed appreciation of exceptional quality of life in the Kawarthas. With this drive to support, she created the idea of Living Local. Living Local is her business in which she seeks out unique items made in the Kawarthas and packages them as gifts. By signing up for a subscription, boxes will be sent to your doorstep or to the doorstep of someone you want to send the gift to. You have the choice of ordering a single box or a box every season with a yearly subscription. A single box is $99, and for the subscription, it's a total of $375. $5 from every box sold will support a local nonprofit organization, which is amazing. You have the choice to create your own Build-A-Box with a minimum of three items. To date, the initiative has raised more than $1,500 for groups such as YWCA, Youth Emergency Shelter, and Hospice Peterborough. It's a creative, COVID-safe, and supportive business that is solely focused on helping others and spreading joy throughout the community. The Winter Box is currently available to order and will begin its deliveries during the week of December 7th. Her goal for this winter is to see sales reach every province and territory in Canada. Check out her website livinglocalbox.com for all of the details. Let's help her reach her goal and give a great gift to a family member or friend this holiday season. That's DC Focus right here on Riot Radio. Welcome to Spill the Tea. Megan Hamilton here, and today's episode we'll be talking about the singer that has stolen every girl's heart. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's celebrity is heartthrob Shawn Mendes. We all know Mendez as a pop singer and songwriter that found fame in his hometown of Pickering, Ontario. Sean has several hit singles, including Treat You Better, Senorita, If I Can't Have You, and many more. But this time, Sean is coming in strong with a big step in his career. He announced a partnership with his longtime manager and will be branching off into film and television production. 
the 22-year-old artist has many plans in the works, some of which including Permanent Content, a company which will focus on scripted and documentary projects that reflect the issues important to young people. The company's first project was Sean Mendez in Wonder, a feature-length documentary about Sean's rise to fame that actually debuted this week on Netflix. Here's a little clip. Coming to the end of this tour, I'm realizing this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. How do you get to the end of a very, very intense year? I want to do it all over again. Other projects are currently in the works, which will include Emmy-winning filmmaker Tony Gerber's documentary on climate change. Some titles will be developed under a joint venture with Los Angeles Anonymous content. Some of these creations from this project are Netflix originals such as Outlaw King, The Laundromat, and an upcoming George Clooney sci-fi drama, The Midnight Sky. Sean Mendez said in his announcement that he hopes to elevate the voices of young people and highlight issues that are dearest to them to help support this lead of change. I think this is a great choice for Mendez to use his platform he has to give to a younger generation and create a space where creativity comes to play. I've always been a fan of Sean Mendez, but to hear him make a step like this really warms my heart. I hope other young influencers and artists follow in these footsteps. That's all on this week's episode of Spill the Tea. Tune in same time next week for more great news on Durham Region and more hot tea to spill with me on the show. Once again, I'm your host, Megan Hamilton. Have a good night, everybody. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Benjamin Smith, and here's what's making news today. Another lockdown starts on Monday for Peel and the Toronto region. At a news conference this past Friday, Premier Doug Ford announced Toronto and Peel region would move into a lockdown on Monday. The lockdown will last a minimum of 28 days. Ontario reported 1,588 new COVID-19 cases on Saturday, along with 21 new deaths. The new daily case count for the province is the highest seen in the pandemic so far. And in sports today, Serge Ibaka agrees to a two-year deal with the Los Angeles Clippers. In February 2017, Ibaka was traded to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Terrence Ross. The $19 million contract with the Los Angeles Clippers leaves Ibaka as a free agent, and it is most definitely will not be easy to replace Serge. He was an incredible teammate, and he was great to the fans as well. Through his inspired personality and engagement over social media, Serge actually had a few web series he was doing during his time on the Toronto Raptors. And here is your local weather report. Your daily high today is a brisk 3 degrees but feels like minus 1 with a very large chance at plenty of snow Sunday morning moving into later afternoon. So be sure to get that shovel ready. The sun is looking to come out on Monday with a high of 4 and you're looking at some rain later towards the end of the work week on Thursday and Friday. 
Hello, how is everyone doing today? I am Benji, and welcome to Film Real News. Coming up on the show today on DC Focus, we talk about where you can grab a great bite to eat in the Durham region that you won't regret, along with some Deadpool 3 news and our review of this week's Mandalorian episode titled The Siege. So be sure to stick around for that. That is all coming up on Film Real News right here on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. This week on DC Focus, we are telling you where you can grab an amazing bite to eat in the Durham region in 2020. Whippy is home to the classic Pete's Big Bite. Owner of the restaurant, Pete Brantoff, promises fresh homemade burgers at reasonable prices. Our family is well known for food, Brantoff says. I personally love Big Pete's Burgers, and you should all give them a try. They're definitely one of the best burgers in the region, along with Big Boy. If you're out and about, maybe consider grabbing a bite from either of them, because you really won't regret it. But my all-time favorite place to get a bite, or quite large bite, I might say, is Bang Bang Burrito on Simcoe Street North, just next to Durham College. I personally lived off of Bang Bang's massive delicious burritos for the better half of a year, really. Bang Bang always promises and offers freshly sourced ingredients in every single one of their dishes. My personal favorite there is their pulled pork burrito. I mean, I have eaten at many burrito shops, and trust me, Bang Bang is the best I've ever had. Make sure to get a big, large bag of chips while you're there, too. We are so damn lucky to have it right here in the Durham region. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. Hello there, I'm Benji and welcome to Film Real News. As I said earlier today, we will be talking about Deadpool and the Mandalorian Chapter 11, so let's waste no time and get to it. So, Deadpool 3 has been confirmed, and that's just news that kind of came out of nowhere, but it's in the works at Marvel Studios. And Deadpool 3 was actually confirmed through a Bob's Burgers crossover image. This is I know this sounds weird, but it, it, it makes sense. Um, this film will be written by Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux, both known for their work on Bob's Burgers. Of course, this confirms Deadpool's integration to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it teases that it's soon to come, which is something I've wanted to see uh, for, like, ever. (laughs) The moment I see Spider-Man, Deadpool, and Daredevil fight side by side, I will be satisfied. So this news is really exciting, too, because the film is still rumored to get a restricted rating, like the two that came before it, and I think that is really important to get the page-to-screen adaptation just right. The first two are really, really great, and I'm really excited for what's next to come in this. But now, let's get to my favorite time of the week. Mandalorian Talk. Now we are going to give you guys a brief spoiler-free review, just in case you have not watched the new episode yet and you are going to give it a try. Now this week gave us chapter 11, titled The Siege. 
And that is exactly what we ended up getting, really. A really awesome, lengthy action set piece with some familiar faces from last season, including Gina Carano and Carl Weathers. And Carl Weathers actually directed this episode, so I'm really impressed with what we got here. He starred the whole episode and directed it as well, so he, he really gave us something good. This is a great entertaining episode that brings a great dynamic that was in the first season into the second one between Gina, Carl, and Pedro. Something that seems to be happening in the show is a setup to the newer sequel series. If you watch the show, you know it takes place post-Return of the Jedi, which actually doesn't have much content to fill in the gaps already, so I'm glad to see that The Mandalorian is doing this. This is probably our second favorite episode of the season so far, so I'm going to give it a solid 7 out of 10. Again, let me tell you, if you have not watched the show, of course you should be getting to it. Do not waste any time and watch it. It doesn't matter if you're new to Star Wars or not. The show really is perfect for everyone, and I have seen it firsthand. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. I've been your host, Benji, and that is all I got for you. It's been a great show today. I love doing this for you guys, so be sure to tune in next week for more movie news, and I'll see you guys next week on Film Real News right here on Riot Radio. You're listening to DC Broadcasting, podcast produced by the radio broadcasting students at Durham College. This is Riot Radio News. I am Valentina Barros and this is what's making news this hour. Jeopardy record holder Ken Jennings will be the first in a series of interim hosts replacing Alex Trebek when the show resumes production next Monday. Producers announced Monday that Jennings, who won 74 games in a row and claimed the show's greatest of all time title in a competition last year, will host episodes that air in January. A long-term host to replace Trebek, who died of cancer on November 8th, will be named later. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on Tuesday said Canada had secured up to 26,000 doses of Bamlalimibab, a therapeutic drug used for coronavirus treatment, manufactured by Eli Lilly. This treatment was developed in partnership with Vancouver's Abcelera Biologics and is part of our support for researchers right here at home who are working around the clock to find a treatment for COVID-19, he said. Eli Lilly said it will supply Canada with the drug over a three-month period between December 2020 and February 2021 for $32.5 million, according to a press release. Serge Ivaca is moving from the Toronto Raptors. The 31-year-old took to social media Sunday to dole out thanks for his time with the team, saying, The love I have received on this journey I will never forget. Ivaka said he had great teammates and staff with the Raptors, and a fan base that is second to none. His message comes amid multiple reports that Ivaka, a free agent, has signed a two-year, $19 million contract with the Los Angeles Clippers. The 7-foot forward came to Toronto in a trade with the Orlando Magic in 2017 and played a crucial role in helping the squad win its 2019 championship title. For the weather tonight, it is going to be cloudy with light snow changing to mixed precipitation overnight. Tomorrow morning, it will be 7 degrees cloudy with showers in the morning and light rain developing in the afternoon. Right now, it is currently minus 1 degree. For Riot Radio News, I am Valentina Barros. Hello and welcome to the Hourly Talk, I am Valentina and for today's show I am going to talk about a new Netflix show that I have been waiting a while to see 
and it is The Crown. I have watched this show from the beginning since it first came out in 2016 until now season 4 2020. But first, DC Focus, where I'll give local news of the Durham region and what has been going around on campus. Because even though we can be in person on campus, DCSI has our back every time. And also, as you may know, Toronto and Peel region have been shut down. But luckily, the Durham region has been a little bit luckier on that sense. But it has been facing difficulties since then. So all of this and more on DC Focus. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. The City of Oshawa is calling on community members to uplift spirits this holiday season by participating in our outdoor holiday display contest and by donating to the Feed the Need Durham Holiday Drive. Community members are encouraged to enter the outdoor holiday display contest by submitting a photo at www oshawa.ca slash holiday spirit houses aglow with enchanting light displays households showcasing charming decorations and animated storefront windows all outdoor displays that can be seen by those passing by are eligible the contest runs november 16 to december 16 2020 six winners will be chosen at random to receive gift baskets from tim hortons valued at a hundred dollar each from Wednesday, November 25, International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, to Thursday, December 10, Human Rights Day, the Durham College and Ontario Tech University communities are invited to participate in the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence Campaign. As we head into the holiday season with the community actively supporting the Oshawa Loves Local Campaign, the Major's Economic Recovery Task Force and the Greater Oshawa Chamber of Commerce remind us that we all have a role to play to stop the spread to keep our community safe and local businesses open. The hashtag Oshawa Loves Local campaign highlights smaller community-owned and family-led businesses that are pillars of Oshawa, making up the majority of 70,000-plus jobs across the city. These businesses are a critical part of the community as they build strong neighborhoods. Community members are encouraged to support local and buy local whenever you can. Here are some ways you can make a difference. Order from local businesses online. Many small businesses have adapted their operations during COVID-19 to offer online ordering with curbside pickup or home delivery. Purchase gift certificates now to use later. Consider purchasing gift certificates to give as holiday gifts or to use later. In addition, the downtown Oshawa BA has its gift certificate program. Dine out at home. Enjoy local cuisine by ordering takeout from your local restaurant. Show support on social media. Let our local businesses know you care by liking and sharing their messages on social media. Use the hashtag OshawaLovesLocal and tag the local businesses in your post. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Hello and welcome to the Hourly Talk. I'm Valentina and I'm going to talk about a show that I have been waiting a while to see, which is The Crown. Now, I am not finished with it yet. It's a show that I have been watching since the very beginning, in 2016. And as you can tell, I like to watch Netflix a lot. Now, for a little bit of history, is the Crown is a historical drama streaming television series about the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, created and principally written by Peter Morgan, 
and produced by Love Band Pictures and Sony Pictures Television for Netflix. Morgan developed it from his drama film The Queen in 2006 and especially his stage play The Audience in 2013. The first season covers the period of, uh, from Elizabeth's marriage to Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, in 1947, to the disintegration of her sister Princess Margaret's engagement to group captain Peter Townsend in 1955. The second season covers the period from the Suez Crisis in 1956 to the retirement of Prime Minister Harold Macmillan in 1963 and the birth of Prince Edward in 1964. The third season spans the period between 1964 and 1967, including Harold Wilson's two period as Prime Minister and introduces Camilla Shan, as we know is Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, right now. <laughs> The fourth season spans to 1997 to 1990 and includes Margaret Thatcher's tenure as Prime Minister and Lady Diana Spencer's marriage to Prince Charles. The fifth and sixth season, which will close the series, will cover the Queen's reign into the 21st century. Okay, now that we have out of the, that out of the way, uh, now we are in the fourth season and this is where things get juicy. So you know that Charles and Camilla have been married since 20, 2005. Because the queen allowed the marriage that started, like not the marriage, but the relationship that started um, 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago or more, if I'm correct. But now Instagram trolls and users on TikTok are taking things to a whole new level by making fun of Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, on her Instagram and the Clarence House Instagram by saying she will never be the true princess, which which. She's not, she's just a duchess. And comparing pictures of her and Diana, downgrading her. And I personally think people should take it down a notch. Because the crown is not an accurate source of the information. It does depict a general idea of what happened, but you shouldn't stick only to that source. I recommend to do your own research and see what really happened instead of bringing down someone for something that happened almost 40 years ago. I say from experience, when I first started watching the crown, I thought... Everything that was going on there was real, but it is not. So, <laughs> uh, read articles, do research on this royal family, which that is quite interesting. And don't bring people down just because you watch a TV show. Now, what they did was wrong. But time has passed and they are trying to make amends. So, let's leave them alone and watch the show and just enjoy it. If you're a history snob like me. <laughs> Your Majesty, I think we have enough respect for one another personally to ask ourselves some of the bigger questions, woman to woman. We are the same age after all. Really? Just six months between us. Oh? And who is the senior? I am. Ma'am. Two women running the shop. That's the last thing this country needs. Perhaps that's precisely what this country needs. For my reading portion, like I told you last week, I haven't been re I have been reading *The Beautiful and the Dam* by F. Scott Fitzgerald, and it is about a couple, Anthony and Gloria, which met through a family friend in common. And after Anthony chasing Gloria for a while, they got married in a rush, I would say. And Anthony is from a wealthy family as well as Gloria, but after his grandfather's death. Their money start running out and so does their love. I'm sorry, but I haven't finished it yet. I think I only have like 20 pages left, but I promise next week I will finish it and I will tell you more about it. 
Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week right here on the Hourly Talk on Riot Radio. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Kilimako, and this is what's making news this hour. Ontario is reporting 1,534 new cases of COVID-19 today, and residents in the greater Toronto area are getting set to go into a 28-day lockdown to flatten the number of people contracting the virus per day. According to the provincial health data, the GTA now accounts for more than 80% of new cases in Ontario every day, with Toronto recording 460 new cases today, and the Peel region now surpassing Toronto with 490 new cases. The 28-day lockdown is expected to start Monday, which will cause all non-essential retail businesses to close until the lockdown is over. Premier Doug Ford released a statement today urging people not to crowd the malls due to the news of the lockdown occurring on Monday. Further data shows that Ontario suffered 14 deaths due to COVID-19, which now raises the death toll to 3,486 in total. Now to sports. In sports, the Raptors made a big move on Saturday to keep star player Fred Van Vliet a part of the team by signing him to a four-year, $85 million deal. In other sports news, UFC 255 took place in Las Vegas on Saturday and it saw two fighters put their belts on the line. Valentina Shevchenko went against Jennifer Maia for the women's flyweight belt in what was a five-round war where Shevchenko ended up winning by unanimous decision on the judges' scorecards. The main event of the card saw Deiverson Figueredo defeat Alex Perez with ease as Figueredo submitted Perez with a guillotine choke in two minutes of the first round to retain the men's flyweight belt. Now to weather. Right radio weather. For today's forecast, it's supposed to be cloudy all day with a high of 3 and a low of 0, but tonight there's a slight chance of some snow. Tomorrow we can expect some more clouds with a chance of rain as the temperature is supposed to be 0 all day. It's currently minus one and cloudy. For Riot Radio News, I'm Kayla Mako. Welcome to The Mock Show. I'm your host, Kayla Mako. On today's show, we have a DC Focus feature where I talk about the rapid increase of COVID-19 cases in Durham Region schools and what a code red means for the people of Durham. Later, I'm going to talk about the recent free agent signings and trades that have been happening in the last few days in the NBA. After that, I'm going to talk about the new and anticipated video game Cyberpunk, which has been delayed several times but is finally here. That's all coming up today on The Mock Show on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. This week on DC Focus, Durham is now one step away from being where Toronto is when it comes to COVID-19 protocol. The Durham region is now set to go into a code red, which will take effect starting Monday. With Durham going into a code red protocol, this forces more restrictions such as social gatherings being limited to 5 people indoors and 25 people outdoors. Further restrictions include only being able to seat 10 people at a time in bars and restaurants, and only being able to have 50 people in sports and recreational facilities. Also, all theaters will once again close down except for drive-in theaters. The next step for Durham, if cases keep increasing the way they are, is to go to a 28-day lockdown, which will see all non-essential businesses close down such as barbers, gyms, bars, and many more small businesses. A large part of why the COVID numbers in Durham are up is due to the fact that schools in the Durham area have suffered an increase in infections. 
21 new cases of COVID have been reported in Durham schools and 11 of those were recorded in just one school. With the sudden increase in cases lately, some schools have had talks about having longer Christmas breaks to keep the schools closed longer, at least until we flatten the curve. That's DC Focus right here on Riot Radio. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. Welcome back to the Mock Show. Now we're going to talk about the recent signings and trades that have been happening in the NBA. First things first, let's talk about the crucial signing of Fred Van Vliet by the Raptors, which was a key move if the Raptors wanted to contend for another championship title. It was also a big move since the Raptors' starting center, Marc Gasol, signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. But the big gut punch was Serge Ibaka leaving the team to reunite with Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Clippers. The big winner of the free agent signings was probably the Lakers because of the overhaul of players they got, like six-man of the gear Montrez Harrell, who played for crosstown rival the LA Clippers in the past season. Other notable signings include Dwight Howard signing with the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Orleans Pelicans added Steven Adams to their young core, and Rajon Rondo decided to part ways with the Lakers to sign with the Atlanta Hawks so he can become a reliable backup for Trey Young. Not only were free agents signing contracts with new teams, but some teams were even making moves via trade. Some of the biggest trades that happened involved Chris Paul from the OKC Thunder going to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and a first round pick in 2022. Oklahoma then flipped Ricky Rubio to his former team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, for some more future picks. Another major trade that happened involved Drew Holiday being traded from New Orleans to the Milwaukee Bucks for a huge load of things in return, including point guards Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. But that wasn't it, because Milwaukee also threw in their first round picks for the next three years. That's huge. The final big trade that happened was Danny Green getting shipped from the Lakers to Oklahoma for Dennis Schroeder, who had a breakout year last season for the Thunder, which is probably what attracted the Lakers to him for this trade. However, the Thunder quickly flipped Danny Green to Philadelphia for Al Horford and a few more picks. Also in the news, the next big hit video game is supposed to be released on December 10th and it's called Cyberpunk 2077, also known as Cyberpunk 2077. Cyberpunk 2077 is a science fiction game that is based in the future and it focuses on the futuristic high-tech advances that may one day happen in real life. The game takes place in an open-world dystopian night city with six different districts where players will play as a player named V, who goes on a journey and explores the map and develops the skills to hack machinery and train combat with weapons to take on any obstacles in his way. Or her way. I guess you could pick. It's a very open game. The reason this game is so highly anticipated is because of the unique concept of the game, but also because the game has been delayed on numerous occasions. The original release date for the game was supposed to be back in April, but because of coronavirus, it delayed the production for the game by a few months, so then it had to get pushed back to October 27th. The game suffered another delay for reasons that are unknown and was then said to be releasing nearly a month later on November 19th. As you could probably guess, Cyberpunk was once again delayed to what is now the current release date of December 10th, and some fans believe that it might get delayed again because of how unreliable the developers have been with their release dates. 
When Cyberpunk is officially released, it will be available on all platforms. That includes PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Mock Show. We'll be back next week with another DC-focused feature and two new topics to talk about. All that next week on The Mock Show on Riot Radio. This is Riot Radio News. Hello, I'm Khalil Birch, and here's what's making news this hour. Two people are facing charges after Durham police seized more than $43,000 in drugs and cash. A community response unit began an investigation focusing on street-level drug transactions in Ajax. That led them to a Clark Road residence, and after executing a search warrant, officers seized about 35000 in crack cocaine, fentanyl, and approximately $8,000 in Canadian currency. Two men are now facing drug trafficking charges. Pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca said on Monday that late-stage trials showed its coronavirus vaccine was up to 90% effective giving public health officials hope they may soon have access to a vaccine that is cheaper and easier to distribute than some of its rivals. AstraZeneca is the third major drug company to report late-stage results for a potential COVID-19 vaccine as the world anxiously awaits for scientific breakthroughs that will bring an end to this pandemic. Now into sports. Fred Van Vliet, one of the most sought-after players in the free agency this year, is remaining a Toronto Raptor. A source close to the team confirmed a report on Saturday that the Raptors have re-signed the 26-year-old to a four-year, $85 million U.S. deal, keeping one of the best backcourts in the league intact. Hockey Canada announced Tuesday that two players at its national junior selection camp have tested positive for COVID-19. The players who are not named are in quarantine at the team's hotel. Hockey Canada is suspending all camp activities for the day. Players and team personnel will be required to undergo a COVID-19 test before camp activities resume. On to weather now. Today we're expecting 1 degree with both rain and snow. Tonight the temperature rises to 2. Tomorrow is going to be 7 degrees with showers and it is currently 0. For Riot Radio News, I'm Khalil Birch. Hello, hello, it's Khalil Birch, and thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Birch Boy Show. Today, we got two things coming up. Number one, being the DC Focus, we're going to be going through what's going on in the COVID-19 in the Durham region, as well as gaming news. You're going to go through what's trending in gaming and get you guys up to date and up informed and, and excited for what's going on in the world of gaming. Be sure to stay tuned to Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. Hello, welcome to DC Focus, where we'll be going through the COVID-19 situation within the Durham region. Ontario announced on November 20th that Durham would be moved into the red, or the control zone, of its COVID-color-coded safety measures as of November 23rd bringing even more stringent restrictions as cases continue to soar across the region. Ontario returned Toronto and Peel region to a modified lockdown stage. The next level past the one Durham is in now. The red level provides additional restrictions and tightening up of numbers in many workplace and business facilities, including fitness, recreation, and restaurant areas. Durham reported 30 new COVID-19 cases on Tuesday, which is today, holding steady after 31 cases reported on Monday. This brings the number of active cases in the region to 428. There are 13 people in Durham, hosp- in Durham hospitalized with the virus, including one patient in intensive care unit. 
Ajax continues to have the highest number of active cases in Durham with 135, followed by Pickering with 87, Whitby with 82, and Oshawa with 81. The province reported 1,009 new COVID-19 cases on Tuesday, noting that technical issues resulted in an underestimate in daily counts on Monday and an underestimate of counts on Tuesday. As of November 24th, Ontario has 534 people hospitalized with the virus, including 159 in intensive care units, 91 of whom are on a ventilator. There are 10 new cases of COVID-19 reported in Durham schools on Tuesday, following 9 new cases reported Monday. Durham has 83 active cases in schools as of November 24th, and 206 cases have been reported in local schools since classes resumed in September. And that is it for the DC-focused COVID watch, where we go through the COVID situation in the Durham region. Um, I hope you guys stay informed and be sure to keep tuning in to get the latest update on the Durham region COVID-19 situation. And that was your Durham region update. That's DC Focus on Riot Radio. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. Welcome back to Birch Boy Gaming, where we go through everything trending in video games. And let me tell you, (laughs) the most popular thing trending on Twitter everywhere you go when it comes to video games the one game that has been the most I would arguably say the most anticipated game of all time 20 cyber I was about to say 2077 first cyberpunk 2077 this game has been delayed about three or four times now the excitement for it is is, is ridiculous absurd out of my 15 plus years of playing video games I've never seen so much excitement over a video game in my entire life. Like, not, I'm not just talking about just me. I'm talking about the internet. I'm talking about Twitter. I'm talking about Instagram. I'm talking about Facebook. Everyone's talking about this game. So recently, they actually showed off some PlayStation 5 gameplay that has been missing for quite a while. This game is releasing on the 10th of December, and there are still things that we do not know about it, believe it or not. So, Cyberpunk 2077 went gold in October. CG Product Red, the company who developed the game, has been working on various fixes and graphical improvements which will all be rolled out on a day one patch of the game, hopefully. Developers are known for, for saying this, and yet still, some bugs do get through. It is, it is impossible to get everything, um, no doubt about it, especially during COVID times where things are definitely more hard for everybody. So, hopefully they'll get all the bugs and and things out. Uh, the latest preview showed the state of Cyberpunk 2077 from character creation to a quick preview of its gameplay from the nomad lifestyle perspective. So if you don't know, when you first boot up the game, when you first start the game, you, you have the choice of choosing three different lifestyles. So one of them being nomad, where you're a solo, you're a solo character, you come from the desert, you, that's where your character is known for being. Um, there's the corpro or the corporate life path where you're a corporate person and, and you know the business world and you know the ins and outs. So when it comes to communicating with other corporate people in this world, it is easier to do so. And then the last uh, lifestyle you can choose is street kid, where you've grown up in the streets of, of the city and you know, you know who's good, you know who's bad, and you know how to talk to these kind of people who are living in the streets with you. 
it's very interesting and it's a very dynamic kind of game where decisions you make matter. It's awesome. So the overall preview that they showed today for the PlayStation uh, gameplay reveal, it picks up straight from the beginning, which is awesome, which is something we haven't seen too much of, which is the a little bit of the character creation, where you can literally create whatever character you want. Skin tone, cybernetics, um, clothing, the smallest things, fingertips, eyelashes, eyes, it's, it's incredible. It is awesome. This game is extremely ambitious and is definitely picking up steam on social media for a reason. So besides a preview that was released today for the PlayStation 4 and 5 actually, a lot of, um, how would you call them, I guess higher ups in media, so like certain media company, companies like uh, IGN, Game Informer, GameStop, companies like that, they actually have select employees who got to play up to 16 hours of the game. They had great things to say overall about the experience, which is awesome to hear because we are very close to releasing this game. And the, I'm hoping that the excitement was warranted, you know what I mean? I hope it wasn't overhyped, but from what these early previewers are saying, this game is excellent. The only gripes that were that these previewers had in their first 16 hours of the game was that it was a little buggy. People were complaining about interface issues, menu screen issues, um, some regular bugs that you would see in big open world games. But uh, other than that, the game was very sound and solid. But yeah, um, that's all I gotta say. Cyberpunk 2077 is trending and for a reason. This game is gonna be huge. It launches on the 10th of December. Have you pre-ordered Cyberpunk 2077? Cause I sure have. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Burst Boy Show right here on Rye Radio. Be sure to tune in next time for more news and gaming. Stay safe, everybody. Welcome to the Zach Show on Riot Radio. This week on the Zach Show, we will bring you news, sports, weather, and a DC Dormagen Focus. This is Riot Radio News. This is a Riot Radio News Update, and I'm Zach Kingston. Following the death of longtime host Alex Trebek earlier this month, Jeopardy announced Monday that Ken Jennings, who holds the record for the all-time most consecutive games won at 74, will be the first interim guest host of the show. The show plans to resume production on November 30th. International travelers may soon require proof of a COVID-19 vaccine before they can board some airlines. One airlines among suggesting this is Qantas Airlines of Australia, and they're suggesting that travelers may be required to show proof of vaccine before boarding their flights. Pennsylvania and the state of Nevada certify Biden as the winner of the presidential vote in their states. The House of Commons considers a block bill to end dairy concessions in trade deals. So MPs kicked off debate today on this private member's legislation. The trial of two Hamilton police officers charged in the treatment of a teen who later died got underway. And in the Monday night football game, the LA Rams defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-24. 
And your current Durham region weather, it is currently minus 2 outside. There is a 5% chance of precipitation, a 73% chance of humidity, and winds could reach 11 kilometers per hour. That was your Riot Radio News Update. I'm Zach Kingston. Coming up next here on The Zach Show, we'll be discussing a farm having success and being recognized, as well as vaccine distribution plans. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Welcome back to the Zach Show on Riot Radio. I'm your host, Zach Kingston. Welcome back. I'm your host, Zach Kingston. A whim for a Scugog area business has turned into a sweet win. Stephen Mora has turned a whim into a win for his fledgling farm business. After taking over the family farm from his aging parents last fall, moving his family from Sioux Lookout to the Janetville area just east of Port Perry, Moore decided to enter samples of his honey and maple syrup products into the 2020 edition of the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair. When the results were announced, Moore's Fleetwood Hills Farm was crowned the champion of White Liquid Honey and Grand Champion Liquid Honey Reserve, as well as the winner of the Lorna Robertson Trophy. The farm was also recognized as having the best maple butter in the maple competition. So the farm owner said, it's something that I wanted to do for a while, and his name, last name is Moore who has been beekeeping for a decade and had returned home for a month, so each spring the family farm where he grew up to help during the syrup season. It's very competitive, a well-recognized and internationally recognized agricultural competition, and there's a fair amount of credibility that goes with it, said Moore, adding he's looking forward to reviewing the judges' marking cards to see where there are opportunities to improve his product. So, a professional in the public health field working in Africa, Toronto, and Sioux Lookout, Moore left his career behind in the fall of 2019 when he opted to take over the family farm from his elderly parents, Jim, 82, and 75-year-old Carolyn, who moved there in 1983. The elderly couple have since moved to Peterborough. The Fleetwood Farm, which the Moors run, specializes in maple syrup, honey, garlic, and Moore is also dabbling in the shiitake mushrooms. He is also a firm believer in land stewardship, recently planting more than 9,000 pine and spruce trees on the property, which spans almost 300 acres. Lots of people tell us how much they love our honey and maple syrup, according to Moore. The awards we receive from the Royal for our honey and maple butter are a real recognition of all the hard work and focus on quality. Adding that adapting to the new reality of COVID-19 and welcoming our second child to the family in early August made this a particularly busy farming season. It really took a lot of work for the whole family to make such a successful maple syrup and beekeeping season. But Moore has no plans to rest on his success. Two of Canada's closest allies, the UK and US, have laid out their plans to distribute new vaccines against the deadly novel coronavirus, with the first shots expected to be delivered in December. Canada, meanwhile, has largely been silent on how promising vaccine candidates will be distributed, this following the green light from Health Canada. 
providing few, if any, details beyond the fact that they are promising to work with the provinces and territories as well as by cold storage. So the federal government has procured 358 million doses from seven companies of vaccines. And this is an insurance policy against the possibility that some vaccines in development prove to be insufficient in clinical trials or ineffective in clinical trials. Little is known about how and when the vaccine will be made available, however. On this front, though, Justin Trudeau spoke today and he said, unlike the U.S., United Kingdom, and Germany, Canada doesn't have a domestic vaccine manufacturing capacity, which means it could be a while yet before Canadians get a dose of these vaccines. We're looking forward to be able to vaccinate Canadians in the coming months, according to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. U.S. officials say that as many as 20 million Americans could be vaccinated in December and 30 more million Americans will be vaccinated every subsequent month. The National Health Service in the U.K. is ready for vaccines on December 1st and their logistics have now been kind of laid out and completed. So England has designated 1,250 1, local health clinics as vaccination sites where starting as early as December 1st, staff will have been on hand to administer vaccines over 12-hour shifts seven days a week. Each clinic site is expected to inoculate at least 975 people per week. The NHS, so the National Health Service in the UK, has already started booking vaccine appointments, designating blocks to priority groups. Vaccinations in the UK will start with older adult residents in long-term care homes and care home workers. All those 80 years of age and older and health and social care workers before being offered to those 75 years and or younger. Coming up next here on The Zach Show is DC Focus. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. You're listening to the Zach Show on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. 10 new COVID-19 cases were reported in Durham schools on Tuesday, this following nine new cases that were reported in Durham schools on Monday. The new cases were at the following schools. St. Mary's Catholic School in Pickering had one case, St. Paul Catholic School in Whitby had one case. Uxbridge Public School had three cases. One case at Alexander Graham Bell Public School in Ajax. One case at Caratequack Public School in Ajax. One case at Donald A. Wilson Secondary School in Whitby. And one case at O'Neill CVI in Oshawa. And one case at Sir William Stephenson Public School in Whitby. As of November 24th, there are 83 active cases in Durham schools and 206 cases have been reported in total since classes resumed in September. Following a local Beaverton family experiencing racism and hatred, a Brock counselor is moving to make its position on the matter clear. 
Councillor Claire Doble will be introducing a new motion at Council to officially condemn racist acts in the township. One of the new families that moved into a new subdivision in Beaverton earlier this year has been a target of many racial comments and overall just really bad behavior, Doble explained, noting that the family had dog poop left on its lawn, people urinating on their property, and ongoing bullying. It's certainly not how we see our community, and it's not how we are as a whole, Doble said. The motion is aimed at providing an official condemnation of the behavior and anything like it, and throws the township's support behind the region of Durham's establishment of diversity, equity, and inclusion division to help address racism and promote diversity and inclusion across the Durham region. That was your weekly Zach show on Raya Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. Have yourself a very great week. This is Riot Radio News. Hi, I'm Crystal Pinnock. This is what's making news this hour. Joe Biden's presidential transition can formally begin, U.S. agency says. The U.S. federal agency that must sign off on the presidential transition told President-elect Joe Biden on Monday that he can formally begin the transition process. The Michigan state certified Biden's victory on Monday, and a federal judge in Pennsylvania tossed a lawsuit from U.S. President Donald Trump's campaign on Saturday seeking to prevent certification in that state. In sports, CBL's Ottawa Blackjacks hired Javon Shepard, ex-national team player, as general manager. Former Canadian national team player and CBC Sports basketball analyst Javon Shepard was named general manager of the CEBL's Ottawa Blackjacks on Monday. Shepard, who's 34 years old and retired from playing last year after an 11-year career with stops in Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Romania. The Toronto native was a second-round draft pick of the Guelph Nighthawks in 2019. Shepard takes over a Blackjacks team that surprised many by reaching the semifinals of the league's summer series in its expansion season. On to the weather. A low tonight of 4 degrees, showers tomorrow with a high of 9 degrees, and a low of 1 degree. It's currently 7 degrees here in Windsor. Welcome to Just Wanna See You Smile. I'm your host, Crystal Pinnock. Thank you for joining me. On today's show, we will have the latest in Durham Region news with DC Focus and which mayor broke COVID-19 regulations. That's all coming up today on Just Wanna See You Smile. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham Region. A long-term care home in Pickering slammed in a Canadian Armed Forces report after dozens of elderly residents either died or became ill with COVID-19 has been granted permission to expand by the province. The decision gives Orchid Villa permission to add 87 new spaces. Melissa Miller, 
a lawyer representing 30 families involved in a mass tort alleging gross negligence, breach of contract, and breach of fiduciary duty against that care home called it a disturbing decision. In April, an outbreak was declared at the facility lasting until early June. 70 people died of the virus and another 155 were diagnosed with it. It is one of the worst long-term care homes in terms of COVID-19 deaths in Ontario. Now, that was the long-term care home my grandmother was supposed to be in, but she was sent to Uxbridge, and from Uxbridge, my mom flew grandma to Windsor. Can you imagine what my family would have been going through? This really hits home for myself and my mom, who brought this news item to my attention. Now, when my grandmother was living with us, I would come home from high school and wash grandma, clip her toenails, cook for my grandma. You know, I could be a PSW, <laughs> well, in another life. I don't think that the care of the elderly are a priority when it should be. Those are my thoughts. That's DC Focus right here on Riot Radio. Welcome back to Just Wanna See You Smile. I'm your host, Crystal Pinnock. Which mayor broke COVID-19 regulations? Now, I know what everyone is thinking, Doug Ford. Right, but he's the Premier of Ontario now. Well, Windsor Mayor Drew Dilkins broke COVID-19 regulations Wednesday last week when he dined at the Nico Taverna restaurant with seven other people at the table. Just hours earlier, Mayor Dilkins was among mayors from the region who called for a zero-tolerance approach when it comes to enforcement or COVID-19 regulations. At the time, Windsor Access was under yellow protect status on Ontario's COVID-19 response framework, and the maximum number of people allowed to be at a table together was six. CBC News was made aware of the incident after it was sent a photo of the dinner group that was posted to Instagram. Though Dilkins has not received a ticket or a notice of bylaw infraction, he said he will make a donation of equivalent value to Windsor Goodfellows. The amount is $750. Two others at the dinner will also make donations, said the mayor in his statement. Let me break it down for you. The mayor is going to make a donation, and before all hell breaks loose, well, all hell has already broken loose. The mayor is going to give to a charity while us Windsorites check out the picture on Instagram. Yes, that is the mayor, and yes, he should get a ticket, but let's not go there right now. Windsor Mayor Jewel Dilkins is going to make a donation and on to the afternoon drive on CBC. Thanks for listening. See you next week on Just Wanna See You Smile on Riot Radio. You're listening to DC Broadcasting, podcast produced by the radio broadcasting students at Durham College.